Good morning and welcome to our Sunday School Hour. I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 164. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Pray for us, please. Amen. Thank you. Maybe see unless you were celebrating a birthday or an anniversary. Well, happy new year. I see you all survived. It happened without me being awake, I guess, so it, it's good. It's just like another day, right? Uh, and so uh, we do appreciate you being in the Lord's house today. A few things from the bulletin. Uh, we're taking officer nominations for deacons, trustees, treasurer, church clerk. Uh, the forms are in the back, and then we ask that you would ask the person you're nominating uh, so that they don't go, what? I don't want to do that. You can just ask them instead of putting them on the form, then us asking them and then telling us they don't want to do it. So uh, we'll accept those through January the 11th. 
And so uh, if you can uh, take advantage of that. Uh, ordination this coming Friday night. Hard to believe. Old Brother Chuck accepted uh, the position of pastor and, uh, in California, North Hills and San Marcos. And um, I wouldn't be surprised they're out here by the end of the month. We do need to pray for them a place to live. Uh, everything is so high out there. And um, we just need to pray them up a place. You know, God's got a place. Uh, they're trying to get in some uh, government subsidized housing that would take the rent from like $3,000 down to like $1,600. Uh, so that's a big difference. And so we just need to pray. God's got a place for them. Uh, he wouldn't have allowed them to be called out there without having already put these things in place. And so we just need to be praying for them. And uh, so ordination service 7 o'clock Friday night is going to be a great time. Uh, might seem sweat a little bit, and uh, we'll look forward to, to that. Then uh, we're going to have a game night on the 20th, a chili cook-off and a game night. Uh, that's a Friday night, the 20th, 6 o'clock here at the church. Bring your favorite game. Bring your best chili. We're also going to throw desserts in there. So if you've got a, a really great dessert, you know, like cinnamon rolls like that big or something like that, um, we're just looking forward to a good time fellowship and fun. And I encourage you to plan on that. Uh, couples retreats coming up uh, in Branson. We would encourage you. They've changed that up. So we used to collect money. We used to have a list and all that kind of stuff. Now you go online and you register yourself. But I'd encourage you to do it by the 25th so you get the discounted rate. Okay, we are, we are good Baptists. And we like to get a good deal. So if you want a good deal, you need to do it by the 25th. And uh, get signed up for Living United. Uh, couples retreat, and that'll be in Branson, uh, February, I'm guessing 18th, 19th, somewhere in that weekend right there. They do a Thursday, Friday, and a Friday, Saturday. Uh, so uh, you can come and go. That'll be just a good time. Uh, church business meeting will be held on January 25th. This is our annual business meeting. Uh, we go through the finances, uh, answer any questions about that. We reflect on the blessings of God this year. Uh, we project some things for the new year, uh, and so we would encourage you to, uh, and then we have the election of officers, so we encourage you to be with us uh, on Wednesday, January 25th. And uh, then our theme for the year is faithful, uh, new banners up, and by the end of the day when you leave, we have new pens that we want to give out. Um, we put underneath there, God, church, families, and disciples. Those are things we want to be faithful uh, two, and then uh, we're celebrating 55 years as a church uh, this year, and so thought it an appropriate theme to go with the fact that 55 years. So, praise the Lord. I'm going to have Brother Foster come back, lead us in another song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you for being here today, brother. Sing hymn number 66 at Calvary. We'll sing the first and the last verses of hymn number 66.
you can be dismissed to your Sunday school classes. All right, my class, we are in lesson number nine. It is a new handout. Please raise your hand if you need one. Brother Potts has those in the back. As you're waiting for those, you can be turning to Genesis chapter number 50 is where we'll find our text for this lesson. All right, and the topic of this lesson is good can come from bad. Good can come from bad, and we could probably share testimony this morning of some things that God has done in our life that we thought were a bad thing, but God worked them for good, and we certainly see stories of that, and I'm sure the first one that comes to mind is that of the life of Joseph, and that's who we're going to study about this morning. Uh, Good can come from bad, and as we go through things in this life, we need to look for God in them, and we need to understand and, and Ask God for wisdom and what He's trying to teach us and what He's trying to show us and what He may be trying to do. He may be working in our life, working something uh, that we might have an impact and be able to help someone else. You know, maybe we go through some, some things that are hard, some things that are difficult, uh, some times of suffering, some time of affliction, that we might be able to be a help to someone uh, who later on would go through the same thing. We just don't know because our wisdom is limited, but God knows. And we must be faithful to trust Him and understand that He's working in our life uh, to perform His good. So let's look at Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. And here it's, it's the end of the story of Joseph, and, he, and he's just summing up here what has taken place. Verse number 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. All right, so that's the end of the story of Joseph. Uh, there's a lot of text prior to that that uh, goes throughout his life, and we understand how God worked through his life, and we're going to look a little bit at, at that today and understand how God can work good from bad situations. Uh, many of the songs that we sing in our hymn book are written by Fanny Crosby. We're probably familiar with her, and we understand that she was blind, Uh, early on in life, and she's uh, so young that she never remembers being able to see. Uh, Many of her songs include Blessed Assurance, Rescue the Perishing, and Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Uh, Later in life, a Scottish minister asked her uh, this question, It is too bad that God in His many wonderful gifts to you did not include the gift of sight, to which Fanny answered, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition... It would have been that I was born blind. Because when I get to heaven, the first face uh, that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. She wrote some tremendous hymns, uh, doctrinally sound hymns, uh, praising her Savior. And she found it not a bad thing in her life to be blind. And she understood uh, the blessings of God and she wrote about them and, and she has this wonderful testimony that the first face that she will be able to see is that of her Savior, Jesus Christ. Most of us, given the choice, would avoid difficulty of any kind. 
but if we could make these choices, we would miss out on some of the greatest good that God does in our life through trials. Joseph is one of the Bible characters who was well acquainted with trials. He went through many as we study his life. But throughout his life, we get an Old Testament picture of the great truth of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. How many of us have recited that verse when we're going through difficulty? Understanding that God is working on our behalf to perform His good. He's working those things in our life. So we must trust Him, and we must be faithful to Him, and understanding He's working His purpose in our life. So in fact, Joseph himself, near the end of his story in Genesis, uttered words strikingly similar to Romans 8.28, which we just read in verse 20 of Genesis 50. In Joseph's early years, uh, they were plagued with adversity. There were four mothers in the family and 11 brothers. Can you imagine uh, the turmoil there uh, with four mothers and 11 brothers? Uh, we had some boys in our home, and there were times of some turmoil. Thankfully, they got along quite well most of the time, but there were times of turmoil. And as you might guess, there was also a good bit of dysfunction and rivalry. Uh, Joseph was the favorite child of his father, and this caused uh, some envy and jealousy on the behalf of his brothers. The coat of many colors that Jacob gave to Joseph was a constant reminder to his jealous brothers of his favored status. But Joseph determined early on that he was going to walk with God, and he was going to live for God, and he was going to do all he could to, uh, to live a life that pleased the Lord. God revealed some of the future aspects of His plan for Joseph's life and dreams. And we see that in Genesis chapter 37. We won't take time to read all those today. But in Joseph's two dreams, his brothers' sheaves in the field bowed before his sheaf. And the sun, moon, and stars bowed before him. Joseph knew this was God's revelation that he, the second youngest of the twelve brothers, would one day rule over his family. When Joseph shared these dreams with his brothers, you can imagine how they responded. Well, they, they hated him even more for these dreams and the revelation that was given to him. Eventually, they threw him into a pit and sold him to slave traders who passed by at just that moment. In Egypt, uh, God's favor on Joseph brought him into prominence uh, in Potiphar's house, and he was appointed the head of his estate. But his life takes a beating again when he is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and imprisoned. So we're going through the life of Joseph here. I want to get you to the point where we're going to dig into some, some uh, important truths from this, uh, this lesson. And specifically looking at the life of Joseph that we can make applicable. So uh, as we continue to look at the life of Joseph, we understand that he's been falsely accused. And as a result, he's thrown into prison. Joseph interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker but his kindness was quickly forgotten. It would be another two years before the butler remembered Joseph, and finally deliverance came when Pharaoh had a troubling dream, and the butler happened to remember a prison mate who could interpret dreams. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream and ultimately spared Egypt from starvation through famine. Joseph finally experienced deliverance when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and led Egypt from famine. Pharaoh then made Joseph the second in command over all the land of Egypt. But this wasn't the end of Joseph's troubles. There's more to come. When the famine came to Joseph's father and brothers back in Canaan, the brothers made their way to Egypt to buy food. 
Through a fascinating sequence of events, the family reunited and jo as Joseph spared them from starvation. In the process, the brothers really did bow before Joseph, the fulfillment of the, the dream or the vision that God had given him earlier. So Joseph at this time uh, was a ruler in Egypt, fulfilling the dreams God had given him as a teenager. When Joseph finally revealed himself and his identity to his brothers, he reassured them that he knew God had a greater purpose for the evil that had happened to him through them, through their hands, through what they had done, and that God was bringing good out of the bad. In Genesis 45, verse 5, it says, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve Life. God had a plan, and God was working a plan through the life of Joseph, an individual who was surrendered to God, allowing God to use him. No matter the circumstances he found himself in, he remained faithful to God, and God used him mightily. Throughout Joseph's story, we see that although he encountered tremendous difficulty, there is no record of bitterness in his life or protests of why me. Joseph could have made a case for the for the old, I have been trying to serve you, Lord. Why are you putting me through this? I have been trying to do right, and look what happens. Instead, he chose to remain faithful. To determine that he was going to serve God with his life and, and do all that he could to please him. So in today's study, we summarize three priorities of Joseph's life that kept him faithful through the hard times and through the difficult times. And these biblical priorities can help us uh, be faithful as well, allowing us to still be serving the Lord when He brings good from the bad in our lives. So let's dig into the meat of this lesson and understand how we can, as Joseph, remain faithful and bear a good testimony and let God work good through the bad situations of our life. So the first thing we must determine that we're going to do is the will of God. No matter what uh, comes my way, I'm going to do what God desires for my life. And there are several things recorded in the Word of God that we understand fully to be God's will. He calls us to be a holy people. He calls us to be a separated people, a people that are dedicated to serving Him, surrendering our lives through a living sacrifice acceptable in His sight. So we need to understand that we, the first step here is that we must determine to do the will of God. This was Joseph's first priority. His first priority was not that of comfort, but rather living for God. His commitment toward following God's will enabled him to embrace whatever situation he found himself in. Now, I'll just take a moment here and pause this morning. Are you in a state of mind, and are you in a place in a relationship with God that you can make that statement? No matter where I find myself, I'm going to determine to live for God and follow His will in my life. So even when that included being sold into slavery, he had the same determination. When he was thrown into prison, we see the same determination. And when he endured unjust treatment, he had the same determination. Joseph went through a lot, but yet he was determined to serve the Lord. So we must have that resolve in our lives that I'm going to do the will of God no matter what. No matter what those around me are doing, no matter what... Uh, the culture is doing, I'm going to serve the Lord and do His will in my life. So what does that do? God's will sends you to the right place. We all say that we want to do God's will, and we ask prayers that you would help me to, to discern God's will for my life, knowing this, 
that God's will sends us to the right place. And we all want to be in the right place where God wants us. So God's will sends you to the right place. When Joseph first dreamed about ruling over his family, he surely could not have envisioned all that would play out. Landing in prison in a foreign land one day, but God's will doesn't always work the way that we think it should. And there are, again, in this room, I'm sure there are many testimonies that we could give where something worked out much different than we thought it would. And I can think of several scenarios in my life where God has worked things for my good and for the betterment of, of our family and all those things. But understanding that here in the life of Joseph, God was working a plan. And it was a tremendous plan that saved many people because of the famine uh, that came upon the land of Egypt. So God sometimes takes us to unexpected places where He will work unexpected deliverances. For Joseph, God's will took him to the prison of Egypt. In Genesis 39 and verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So what good can come from a prison? Well, here we see a, a tremendous testimony that arose from what happened in prison. It was from prison that God brought Joseph before Pharaoh to interpret his dream. So God was positioning him in such a way that he would get right in front of the, the Pharaoh and be able to uh, show forth a testimony of the Lord there in front of Pharaoh. The prison was just a stepping stone to the palace. In Genesis 41, 14, it goes on to say, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. Consider what's happened here in Joseph's life as God is moving him along on a path that he has for him. And he's positioning him in such a place where he will have the ear of Pharaoh. Think about your life. What is God trying to work in you? Where is, where is He trying to place you that you might be able to be a voice to someone? That you might have the opportunity to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. God is working. If you're a child of God, He's working in your life. And He wants you in a right place at the right time. And it's important that we are sensitive to God's will for our life, that we would be in that right place at the right time where we might share the right testimony to someone who needs to hear it. So impressed by Joseph's wisdom, Pharaoh makes Joseph governor of Egypt. From that position of authority, God would use Joseph to save Israel from being wiped out by the famine. So from the pit, to Potiphar's court, to prison, then finally to Pharaoh's palace, God had Joseph at the right place at the right time. Joseph was content in each place because he knew that was where God had sent him. In the New Testament, we see people suffer in the will of God as well. For instance, we can think of uh, Paul and Silas. Again, they were imprisoned, uh, doing the will of God, preaching the gospel, just uh, being a good testimony like Joseph, and they ended up in that prison. They were beaten, imprisoned, and put in stocks, but these setbacks could not uh, detour them from remaining faithful to God's cause. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 23, we see the record of this account. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and prisoners heard them. 
Uh, as uh, I read that portion of Scripture, I always ask myself, if I found myself in that situation, would I be able to praise God? And I would hope that our, all of our answers would be yes. We can sing praises to God and understand that uh, anything that we go through the, in this life pales in comparison to the goodness of God. And we sing songs about it all the time, and I'm reminded of the many songs that we sing about the goodness of God. And we must reflect on the goodness of God and remember the goodness of God in the, in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of trials, uh, knowing that God is good no matter what, and He's trying to work good in our life. So God's will sends you to the right place. Boy, being in the right place is so important. Being where God wants you to be. You know, as we raise children, we try to uh, teach them about right and wrong and the dangers of, uh, of the world around them, specifically the dangers of, of running in the streets when cars are going back and forth. We're trying to make sure that they understand they need to be in the right place. And on a much bigger scale, God wants us to be in the right place. And He wants to, to work through us to perform a ministry to those around us. He wants us to be the conduit for His goodness to flow. So He wants us to be in the right place. That takes us to the next point. Being in the right place, then we can perform God's will, knowing it has a good purpose. God's will has a good purpose. Never changes from that. God's will has a good purpose. Joseph did not know the specific purpose for his imprisonment until much later. But he continued to serve God. Even behind bars, Joseph refused to wallow in self-pity and instead ministered to his fellow inmates. If Joseph had been self-focused, he never would have noticed the butler and the baker's sad countenances and checked in on them. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us get so consumed on, on the things that affect us in life that we're not looking around to see what God may be wanting to perform through us through a means of a, a, a word of testimony or a word of encouragement to someone else who is going through something much more difficult. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 5 says, And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison, and Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Joseph used his gift here of interpreting dreams to serve the butler and the baker. If we go through the Word of God, we come to the conclusion very quickly that God wants us to be a servant. A servant to Him and a servant to others. Joseph had this mindset and he's looking around as he's sitting there in prison. There's probably not a whole lot else to do. So he's looking around and he's looking at his fellow inmates and he sees some sad countenances. And he begins to pray and ask God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? And lo and behold, he's got some dreams to interpret. He's got something to do, something God wants him to perform. His simple act of kindness would later bring him before Pharaoh and set the stage for fulfilling God's purpose of delivering Israel from famine. He's living out the attributes of God, what God wants us to 
to take on. As we conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We are to be uh, a display of the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruit is kindness, isn't it? And look what kindness did here. As a result of Joseph's kindness, God worked in the life of the butler and the baker. And then we see that God continued to move in the life of Joseph to bring him before Pharaoh. But think about how your acts of kindness could have an impact on individuals that you come in contact with, that God may open a door for you to be able to speak to them. It could be that God's brought them in your path for a reason, and you can choose to display kindness or you can choose to ignore them. We may not understand why God has put us in a given situation, but we must resolve to God's instruction, knowing that it's always clear, even though His purpose may not be. His instruction to us is to live the fruit of the Spirit, right? As we do what God has already revealed through His will, through the Word of God, as we perform those things, then God's going to open up other doors for us and reveal His purpose as we continue to follow Him. So we do not know His purpose, but we do, do need to remain faithful in serving Him. God reveals His purpose for our trials in His perfect time. And Joseph only understood God's purpose many years later when his brothers came to Egypt to buy food. He finally had enough information to connect the dots, realizing that one of God's reasons for preparing him to be governor was to save his own family from the famine. And as God brings you through things... Uh, may not be exactly like the life of Joseph. I'm sure none of us have gone through what he's gone through. But we go through things in this life. And God brings us through them. And God teaches us things. And He reveals things to us. It's important for us to share those things, especially to the younger generation, those young Christians, that they might have evidence of the faithfulness of God in your life. And that it would strengthen them in their faith. That they would purpose in their heart to follow God no matter what. Joseph here, he saw the hand of God at work in his life, using him to accomplish his divine purpose. Let's look at Genesis 45 and verse 5. Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So we've gone through the life here of, of Joseph. May I again read our text, Genesis 15, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. We mentioned them earlier, but Paul and Silas experienced uh, the same thing as they discovered God's unlikely purpose in prison. After being beaten and placed in stocks in the dungeon, they continued praying and praising God. God sent an earthquake and freed the prisoners, a calamity that brought the jailer to his knees seeking salvation. At that moment, God presented Paul and Silas the opportunity to lead the jailer and his family to the Lord. 
If they had not been at the right place, they would have missed God's purpose. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 and see the account of this story. And I'm reminded time and time again of stories just like this, where God has the right people in the right place at the right time to share a message from the Lord. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They had a captive audience, so they chose to follow the Lord and praising Him and lifting up His name. What's the alternative? You can be depressed and discouraged and as the rest of the prisoners, but what good is that going to accomplish? Nothing for eternal value at all. As a matter of fact, it would have a detrimental effect on eternity and the lives of the individuals around you. But rather, they chose to praise God. And here's the result. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What a tremendous testimony here. Paul and Silas determined to do what they could do. And that was to have a right attitude and a right heart for God. And singing praises unto Him. And and that's all they could do. And that's what they should have done. And that's what they did do. And as a result of them doing the will of God, following God's leading, following God's guidance in their life, didn't matter what situation they found themselves in, they were going to serve God no matter what. And because they did that, God worked. And God performed a miracle on the behalf of the jailer that night. Doing the will of God will take you to an appointed place to accomplish His appointed purpose. We must remember that we have a Heavenly Father that desires to work through every one of us. And we must face each day recognizing that God doesn't just want me to exist this day. He wants to perform something in me. Look for opportunities to show kindness, to show the love of God, to be a help to someone. Understanding this, that God will take you to that appointed place to perform His appointed purpose. So we must determine to do the will of God. And that takes uh, some humility, some sacrifice on our parts, getting our eyes off of self, getting our eyes on God and what He desires for our life. So the next thing we must understand is that we must must nurture a walk with God. We must nurture a walk with God. If we're going to know the will of God, we have to have a walk with God. Every day the Lord invites us into His presence. He's uh, Through the Word of God, we understand the importance of Bible reading. We understand the importance of praying. God created us for a relationship with Him. He wanted companionship, and he's, He has created the human race that we might have fellowship with Him. And we can have that relationship with Him through 
the Lord Jesus Christ and our salvation through Him. So every day He's inviting us into His presence. He wants to walk with us and He wants to talk with us. He wants to have that intimate relationship with every one of us. We nurture our walk with the Lord by spending time with Him in prayer, reading His Word, obeying His voice, and seeking His guidance throughout the day. We read the Word of God. We ask God prayerfully to help us to understand and interpret what He has for us and to guide us through this life. And then we must act on what we've learned. We must obey His voice. As we make an effort to draw near to Him, He will likewise draw close to us and direct our steps. The Bible promises these things. And when, he walk, when we walk in close fellowship with God, He keeps us from straying down the path of sin. So, walking with God keeps you from physical sin. Staying close to God helps you stay away from sin. Obedience to God was more important to Joseph than a moment of sinful pleasure. This world is full of seeking pleasure. Pleasure seekers, and they would rather do something that satisfies self than to separate themselves from sinful pleasures. Because Joseph had been walking closely with the Lord, he was on guard against sin. And when temptation arose, the fear of the Lord gave him the strength and determination to refuse. In Genesis chapter 39, we see this temptation that arose in verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that as his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not. What is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath to my hands. There is none greater in this house uh, than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Having a close relationship with God helps us to understand the mind of God and the heart of God and the realization that he hates sin. And as my love for God draws greater and greater, then my hatred toward sin grows greater and greater. And I don't want to do those things and sin against God. For all the tough circumstances he had been through, Joseph could have cut himself some slack here and embraced a moment to an invitation to sin. No one was around. His master's wife had made the first move here. And he had already established a noble position for himself. He could have said, surely I deserve a little bit of pleasure. And unfortunately, many succumbed to that. But I'm thankful that Joseph refused. He knew he was not alone. God was present. We must remember that, that God is always present and He sees everything. To give in would have been sin against his own body. It would have been sin against his master and his wife. There could have been consequences resulting in his own death. Of all the possible consequences of this temptation, Joseph realized that the biggest was this. It was a sin against God Himself. And that should be what stops us from sinning, is understanding that it's a sin against God. His love for God was greater than his love for himself. Pleasing God was more important than pleasing himself. It would do us very good in this life as we seek to live for God to remember that it's more important that I please Him rather than pleasing myself. 
When we are walking with the Lord, we will obey His instruction to flee from sin and follow righteousness. Paul admonishing Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. These are the things that we are to, to chase after, the things that we are to uh, have a part of our life. Fleeing those things that would cause us to sin. Putting on those things that would help us to live for God. So a walk with God keeps you from physical sin. But the next thing we must deal with is developing a walk with God to keep you from emotional sin. Joseph walked with the Lord, kept him from bitterly holding on to the hurts of the past. Even as life progressed, there must have been times that Joseph had flashbacks of what had happened in his life. Those painful memories of rejection, separation from home, loneliness, and confusion over his direction in life. The unfortunate events in, this, in his life could have sown seeds of discouragement that later sprang into bitterness. But as Joseph abode with God, he was careful to purge the weeds of emotional sin. Those emotional sins do nothing but drag us down and, and keep us from serving God. Keep us from being a testimony and a witness that God wants us to be. God's grace kept Joseph from dwelling in his painful past. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh because it was God who caused him to forget the grievous memories of his trials. As I mentioned before, as we find our mind dwelling on those things of the past and finding ourselves discouraged, we need to dwell on the goodness of God. Remember what God has done for us. Remember what God wants to do through us. And remember uh, the bigger picture that we are to have an impact on a lost and dying world, inviting them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Genesis 41 and 51, it says, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So the hurt of rejection, hate, and mistreatment, uh, these things can bind us in bitterness and rob us of the joy of the present. Something that happened last week, last month, years ago, they're robbing you of the joy of the present. You hang on to them. And what, what good is it? It's absolutely accomplishing nothing, but it's hurting. And it's keeping you from moving forward for God and having that impact that we've been talking about, being in the right place at the right time to have the right words to say to someone in need. So these things can rob us of the joy of the present. Joseph attributed the relief from his past hurts to God. Doesn't God say to do that? Bring your burdens to Him. Cast them upon Him. God wants to bear your burden. He doesn't want you to carry it. He wants you to live in the peace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the joy that He offers. He took His sorrows to God, and God gave Him the power to forgive. And with that forgiveness came the freedom to live again. And I'll stop there today, but we have much to think about here as we consider what God's trying to do in our lives, and we're entering into a new year. And maybe you had some failings in 2022. Maybe you didn't recognize all that God was trying to do. And maybe you missed some opportunities when God put you in a specific place. And you didn't take advantage of what God was wanting to do with you or through you in the lives of other individuals. But may we, as we enter into this new year, be God-focused and be others-focused. 
as we consider this purpose that God is wanting to work good in our life. And it may take us in a path of difficulty in our life. It may take us down a path where we're not comfortable, but trust God through it. Keep praising God through it. Keep honoring Him and lifting up His name and see what God will do. Ask God for souls this year. Ask God for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We have a limited time to do so, and it would be a good time to resolve that I'm going to do the will of God, that He might have me in the right place, the right time, that I might be able to share Jesus Christ with others this year. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for Your goodness to us, and I can't stress that enough, that You are so good. Father, I pray that You'd help us as we reflect on Your goodness to... uh, Determine this year that we're going to serve you greater yet, greater than we did last year, and that we would look for those opportunities that you place before us in situations where we're uncomfortable, where we really don't want to be sometimes. Father, help us to praise you in those situations. Help us to lift up your name and to be a good testimony of the love of God and the kindness of God that others would be impacted through the work that you've done through us. Father, I pray that you would give us individuals this year that we might be able to witness to, that we might be able to lead to the Lord Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. Father, I pray now for the service to follow. Speak again to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030.